0: Hey guys, welcome back to Wonderfully Grace Podcast. My name is Pondy. Thank you so much for clicking on this podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest with us. We have Miss Chanel, who is a food blogger. I'm going to let her introduce herself to you guys. And we are going to talk about all things blackety black, since that is kind of like the topic right now. Um, So yeah, let's get started. Hi, Chanel. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so glad to have you. And you guys, she's a real OG because she literally just landed in Florida and came directly here. So, just, you know, be honored that she is here on this podcast. I'm honored. So, thank you so much. So, um before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Yes,
1: um, (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) calling me an OG. OG! (laughs) I appreciate it though, that's really kind of you. Um, So my name is Chanel, you know, I also go by C. Diane, so you might hear that name interchangeably. I am the CEO and founder of C. Diane Whisk, so C like the letter C, Diane, and then Whisk, W-H-I-S-K. And it's all about food. I... Have so much fun making instructional videos on how to prepare pizza. You know, I did a breakfast pizza once. That one was like a hit. Um, And just really encouraging people to know that they are their best chef that they can do what I'm doing or anyone else is doing at home. And it's not about cutting things a certain way. It's not about, you know, looking like someone who went to culinary school for years. It's about flavor. It's about fun. And it's about building a relationship. So oftentimes people will see me bring my little cousin. She's three, Kari. We will cook together and um, she would tell me she don't need no help. And I (laughs) respect that. And then I get to ask her questions about herself, you know, What's your favorite color, that sort of thing? And so I really believe that food builds relationships. And that is the vision behind C. Diane Whisk. And so thank you so much for having me here, Pwendy. Um, You know, I'm, if, if you ever are looking for me, you can find me on all platforms at C. Diane Whisk. And yes, I'm just so happy to be here.
0: Yay! And we're so happy to have you. And that's great. I definitely check out your page for for, for recipe and how tos, and also for new things to try in the kitchen. Like the last thing I tried was that Thai coconut soup that you did, and it was really, really delicious. I'm not a soup person, but I really drink that soup, and it was good. So thank you for your page. So yeah, it's C Diane Whisk, right? C, mm-hmm. C. Diane Whisk on Instagram. So yes. So let's get into the topic of today which is we talk a lot about this topic, which is about just being black in America and our blackness. And, um, I guess sometimes I think of this question, um, and it's kind of weird, but let like, just follow along with me. Um, I sometimes think of how do people who are not black or maybe still black people like how do they feel that i'm all i'm i'm always kind of like sharing and celebrating my blackness do they feel uncomfortable do they question it like why is that and so that's where that that's where our launching pad is for this conversation um and i want us to kind of journey through the conversation to to connect it to how us celebrating our blackness today connect to what happened to blackness in the past and maybe even the most recent past. So let's talk about that a little bit. So before we get into even going to that question, I guess we will do a little pit stop <laughs> to to briefly describe what does it mean to be black or what does blackness even mean? So what do you what do you, what do you think Chanel?
1: Well, when I think about blackness, I think about just literally embracing the fact that you are a black person, whether that is, whether you're a light-skinned black person, dark-skinned in between, someone that could almost pass or pass, at the end of the day, like your bloodline makes you a black person. And, and, And that is what I think about when I think about blackness. And so... Celebrating that is embracing that right. that's how i that's how I see it what about what about you
0: That's good. I feel like that was a great definition first of all. I feel like it really encompassed what it is um and what I hear is that there's even diversity within blackness, but I like how your definition was very like it gave a base to it that is you're embracing your your black roots like that you were that you're black, you know? And you're right, it's not just the amount of melanin in your skin, it could be Caribbean black, it could be, you know, from an African country black, it could be um, the West Indies black, it could be what like exactly what you, you said, there's different types, but at the end of the day, still black, That's so right. yeah. So Chanel, one thing about me is that I love being black, and I know that you love being black too. <laughs> We just love being black y'all and if you're black, you should like you should love being black, and if you're not black, you should love black people <laughs> um and that's on period, right'm <laughs> just kidding i'm just kidding, okay, so I love being black and I love celebrating my blackness and not to not to just like be out here annoying people like, oh, look at me, i'm just celebrating blackness, but because I truly love. How god made me i love the hair on my head i love the amount of melanin that my skin is pops in the sun i love um my ancestry as a haitian so i just like celebrating it and i think everybody really should celebrate who they are right and not celebrate it in a way where it becomes superior but just you're celebrating in a normal way and loving yourself as how god made you so my question to you is or for this conversation is Why should we celebrate blackness? Is there a reason that we should celebrate blackness? What do you think?
1: Yeah, um, I think that, you know, you, listen, listen. If you want to know why it's necessary to celebrate blackness, you know, and this is just a challenge to anyone. Sit down with someone's black grandmother, you know, or someone's black grandfather, um, maybe even an interracial couple that got together in the 50s and hear their stories. And you'll see that it's not so far away um, or in the past, I should say, where black people just dealt with a lot of hatred because they're black. And so... Oftentimes, you know, we as a people were and still are made to feel like there's something wrong with us because we're black. Mm-hmm. And that has surfaced in various ways. Um, so much so that they came out with skin lightening creams. And I don't know the full history of that. Um, but I know, you know, some people will lighten their skin because they want to be light skin because it's too dark. You know what i'm saying like what's wrong what is it about being dark well the darker you are the more evident it is that you're black mm-hmm. so when you think about that and you think about the stereotypes of being black um you think about the fact that people from other countries and other cultures come over and they even have a negative view of black people it's it's it's, it's obviously disheartening, but it, it highlights why people are pushing so hard to celebrate the fact that they're black. Because we live in a world where the darker your skin is, the more likely you are to be mistreated. And, and then in particularly in the black community, um, if you're known to be black, even if your skin is lighter, Because they know that your bloodline, and this is why I say the bloodline, because they know your bloodline is black, Mm -hmm. then you're mistreated. Mm -hmm. So there's such a negative stigma about just being of African descent, because at the end of the day, that's what we're saying, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That we as a people are fighting against that. And we are really trying to rise and love ourselves and not see ourselves the way other, uh, he would do, it. and the only way to do that is to literally say the opposite of whatever they're saying, right. and to highlight it. And so we celebrate it. We find ways to be proud right. because we're constantly being told that we should not be in in so many ways. And I'm I'm sure, Puni, that you've had experiences like that yourself.
0: Right. So my experience with uh, blackness, uh, it was actually very interesting and really. It was shocking, but it it was shocking and funny. So my, just real quickly, as a child, I was born in America, but I grew up, my primary years were in Haiti. Haiti is a black nation, okay? There's black people all around. So we did not grow up with this idea that we were less than, that we were inferior, that, you know, I don't recall having any type of like um, issue with my blackness or my dark skin or anything like that. So fast forward to America, I went to private schools, which were majority Caucasian or whites and um, again, because it was a Christian environment, unfortunately, I did not feel any anything related to me feeling um, less than or not included because of my blackness. Then, as I continued growing up, you know with television and pop culture and teenagers and this and that. Um, it was actually, I think, in my history gla- uh, class, um, we started learning about just history and, you know, slavery and the N-word and this and that. And I was like, I was really shocked. Call, call me um, naive or ignorant or whatever, but I was like, there are people out here that don't like me because of my skin. I was genuinely like that's not true like that's not <laughs> like I was like that's not true no and it's like yeah like I remember my history teacher continuing to walk us through that part of the history book and I just was like but why and how and I'm glad actually that I had that kind of innocent like upbringing because and I still try to keep that because it just doesn't make sense for someone to hate you not just dislike you or have assumptions but to hate you because of your skin that's like um to me that's a major sickness you know in the head um but yeah that's been my experience like that was shocking to me and when i realized like no Wendy this is true there are people who really don't like black people and i'm like but we're so cool <laughs> like i really thought this i was like they're missing out like we, we we do a lot of great things. Not only do we season well, like we season our, our meats well, you know, we do a lot of, like we have a lot to add, you know, as well as they do. But I'm just saying we all add something to this pot that's called the world, you know? And I was just very surprised. So that was my experience. And any other experience as an adult that I may have had when it comes to my blackness, I just never, I chose never to like ingest it because to me, I'm like, no, you're wrong. Like you're wrong.
1: Yeah, I um I grew up in a well. I didn't I actually didn't fully grow up in America um because my dad was in the army. We we were in Germany for a good portion of the year of our years, but I grew up American. <laughs> and um being very aware of that and my dad and my mom too uh, um they're very proud to be black. My daddy is proud to be black. And so I grew up with him having us watch Roots, and I don't know if you all have heard of that, but it's it's a movie about slavery and when they're being brought over and it's a long segment i didn't we didn't watch all the segments, but um there's a scene in there where one of the slaves' his name is Kuta Kinte, and he's being beat um and being told to call himself toby, and so they they whip him. They stop, and then they say, what's your name? And he says, Kunta Kinte. And they beat him some more. They stop, what's your name? Kunta Kinte. Beat him some more. until so finally, he said, Toby. And in that moment, my dad turns to my brother and I. I was in the second grade, y'all. <laughs> he turns to my brother and I. I was like, don't you ever let nobody call you outside your name. <laughs> you understand me? <laughs> so we were like, yes, sir. <laughs> right? Cause from the south. And my dad's in the army. So we said, yes, sir. No, sir. All that stuff. But that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. I grew up very aware mm-hmm. that people would not everyone but some would treat me different because I was black, but I was taught that even if they treat you different, mm-hmm. don't you allow mm-hmm. um your view of yourself to change and don't allow people to mistreat you. Your name is Chanel. You know what I'm saying? So I okay. We we had to know. They prepared us for that. And I remember being in the second grade, this little girl running by calling me the N word and I was like, it was so random. It threw me off. <laughs> i not even gonna lie. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and it's and thank God it's not something I experience often, but it was just a very real reality. And I was in Germany when that happened, actually. But I was around other Americans. So you know, I, I didn't get it the way that I, I'm sure other people would have gotten it, but I grew up aware. But it was to prepare me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was helpful. And then now that I'm older, honey, I'm even I'm even more proud to be black <laughs> because I understand even more how great we are. Right.
0: Yeah. And you know what that reminded me of really? Um, even though I didn't have all of the awareness of what my blackness meant because It just, it wasn't something that was really, you know, like hammered, you know, not hammered, but really taught in my household. What was taught that came up as you were talking is um, how I should behave in certain spaces that are mainly white. And I always, I remember little pointy always rejecting that without having all the historical, research or whatever little pointy always was like huh what no (laughs) like i always was like why but why can't i just be who i am in these spaces and i always try to be who i am in those spaces but it's a reality thing of how some people really say turn down who you are turn down your blackness in certain spaces so that it could make other people comfortable but it's like why would my black skin my blackness make you uncomfortable like I, i know there's history of why but as of right now like that's something that I feel like all of us should really like turn turn inwardly to our heart to see why does somebody's skin color or differentness make us uncomfortable unless they're they're um invading your personal space or they're physically being you know dangerous towards you then yeah but not somebody just okay their hair texture their skin color, that shouldn't really make you uncomfortable. And if it does, that's something that you got to figure out within yourself of why, you know, if you really want to be like a decent human being. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I remember my mom, mainly my mom, um, saying that when you go here, you need to do this and you need to do that. And I don't even think she knows in a way that she was indirectly saying you need to be a little bit less black and more more white to fit in and blend in i don't think she even knew she was saying that i think that was something that because they probably have seen my parents were here well they were here in the i don't know when they came actually to the 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 united states but either way they do have that knowledge of being um being mistreated and kind of like this this is for black people and this is for white people they do have that knowledge and they kind of passed it on subconsciously and indirectly like hey in order for you to be successful and i want you to be successful this is what you need to do in the presence of white people in the spaces of white people and i feel like you know and what what's going on now in our nation and the united states and throughout the world is that we are waking up, and people say woke, but we are waking up, blacks, whites, everybody, to how we have been living this kind of rhythm and dance that is not beneficial to anybody, and it's okay for us to be blackity black Mm -hmm. (laughs) and celebrate that, and that the response can be received well, and not that it's stereotyped negatively, like it has been in the past. So...
1: Um. Yeah. I and and as you're saying that I, I have a thought. Um. Which I think, kind of, blends into the why. You know why is this necessary? Where did this come from? And so back to my example about Kunta Kinte. You know you have, you have these people that are being brought over, mm-hmm. from Africa. They have a completely different culture. And so they're being told that they cannot live um, and maintain those cultural norms anymore. And so the dancing that they used to do, the language that they had, they're being told they can't have it anymore. And if they were literally it was literally beat out of them and so the slaves are very creative, very resilient. They found ways to integrate their culture and they found ways to essentially hide it, right? So they start singing and these different things but they were singing messages to each other like they found very creative ways to maintain certain cultural norms, but they were told that their culture was a problem because it did not match the culture of the slave owners. And so that transcended all the way up until slavery ended. Mm -hmm. Because now we have Black people attempting to integrate in some ways with white people. Mm -hmm. And so how can we integrate with them? Well, they don't want us to be ourselves. They don't want us to have a different culture than them. So let me emulate their culture. And it goes from slavery to then segregation. Mm -hmm. Now we're trying to end segregation well, I want to let them know that I belong in their space too. Mm -hmm. So let me behave the way that they will see as acceptable so that we can now exist in their space because legally it wasn't allowed. Mm -hmm. So I think it goes back to all of that because we had to fight so hard. We had to prove that we deserved to um, be in the same places, to live in the same neighborhoods, to have the same jobs. Mm -hmm. And so... We have a different culture, yes, because we come from a different place. Like, we do. It's just like my Hispanic friends, they got a different culture than me. Like, we come from different countries. Um, and so, it's nothing wrong with that. But people often see difference as a problem. And so, I think because of that is why, you know, when you would have your parents say, okay, make sure you dot, 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 dot. Because, right, be like the dominant culture because... We were not allowed to, and I don't want to keep saying exist in the same places, but essentially that's what it is. We were not literally allowed to be in the same places as the dominant culture. Mm -hmm. So I'm working so hard to show you that I should be here.
0: and one thing that came up when you were speaking is like, you know, to answer that question, why do we celebrate blackness? And one thing that came up was that if black people don't celebrate blackness, who will? Then who will, you know? Um, When you look at history, especially in the media, um, the entertainment industry, commercials, uh, modeling agencies. You can just go on and on and on. There's not really, not even just a depiction of Black people, but there's definitely not a celebration because they're not even in those spaces. They're not looking for Black people. They're looking for a token. They're looking for one, two, maybe the most, let's say, Tyra and Naomi Campbell. That's it. You know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> now we have more. But that's really, you know, that's like just our culture and that's our history you know and now i feel like that's a that's a good answer like if if black people don't celebrate their blackness and the the beauty and uh richness of their culture then who will and i feel like the answer will be no one. <laughs> so we have to. And I also feel again, just to just for if you're listening and, and you're not black, I just want to I always want to include everybody in the conversation. That's for any uh, culture, any race, you know, if you're Indian, if you're Asian, if you're white, you know, like you need to celebrate who you are in your culture. The problem is specific to the white race, historically, is when there becomes this very prideful super, uh, superior complex um, when it comes to genocide, when it comes to slavery. Like, that's when, it be- that's when it's a problem. Like, Houston, we have a problem, you know? But as far as celebrating and appreciating your culture, that's something every people group really should do and should have because we all can learn a lot from each other's cultures. Right, Chanel. So, in essence, we're talking about You know, black culture, blackness overall, and also since we are both Americans, we're talking about American history, right? And um, let's kind of pivot a little bit and talk about cancel culture. Let's talk about cancel culture where it relates to this specific topic about uh, black history and black and American history, and let's also say white history, because that's a thing, too. If there's a Black history, there's definitely a white history, right? Um, And how we can kind of traverse the lands of cancel culture, right? Uh, I have actually, when I first heard of cancel culture, I thought it was just like a, to be honest, a millennial Twitter thing, so I didn't pay attention to it. But um, apparently, looking into it more, cancel culture is something where it's like a person can literally be quote unquote cancel because of societal pressure or the Twitter world or a social media world really putting pressure on them and it can totally annihilate <laughs> in essence their reputation and all the work they do and um, I have my stance on what I feel towards cancel culture um, especially when it comes to history and things coming up that um, have a lot of maybe racial um innuendos to them which is very common back then what do we do with them today so what are your thoughts on when we come across someone great that maybe did really like that really benefited the birth of our nation or that benefited the the maintenance of our nation and not just but and they had racial you know um things attached to them because that was kind of like normal in the land and it should have been normal but what are your thoughts on all of that um I
1: think that and and this might be because I do have a therapy background and so we talk about the both and a lot Mm -hmm. it's the ability for two opposing things to exist at the same time and so when I think about that, I think about the both end. So, um, you know, Ulysses Grant, it's just me, like, throwing out a, a really well-known name in our history. That may be my white friend's great-great-great-great-uncle, right? And that might also be my grandmother's great-great-great, like, my great-great-great-grandmother's slave owner. And so my view of him is going to be different than my white friend's view of him because my relationship is different. And so it's how can we exist in and um, give room for us to have two different relationships, if you will, and um, realities mm-hmm. or truth, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. with that individual without Um, Invalidating the other person's experience. And so when I think about cancel culture in particular. Well cancel culture is really so broad. (laughs) Because it's about. It's about racism. But it's also about like. We just don't like you anymore. Because of what you did. We're done with you. (laughs) And so it can be very extreme at times. (laughs) Um, Like my God. Maybe I learned from my mistakes. (laughs) So you know. um, (laughs) You know. So I just think. I think it's important for us to look at things from a holistic view and really just try not to invalidate each other. Be respectful. And so, going back to my example with Ulysses S. Grant, I can acknowledge that he was great to your family and he did those great things and that is your relationship with him. And you can still love that part of him because that's your family. But you can also look and say, but I am so sorry that he did this to you. And I could see how constant pictures of your predator is triggering for you. And so I can take these pictures down maybe when you're coming over to my house or just not have them up. Maybe I don't talk about them around you. You know, just these different things where it's like I acknowledge that we had a different experience of this same person. And I'm also not going to continue to make you uncomfortable by talking or t- I'm not going to make my wife friend uncomfortable mm-hmm. by always talking about how her great 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 uncle abused me or my relative. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a mutual respect there. And I see it just as like today with like a friendship. I have friends that don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. They're not cool with each other, but they're they're all cool with me. Mm-hmm. So they respect the fact that I love these them and they don't bash them around me. And I also respect the fact that they um, don't have the best relationship with them. So I'm not constantly bringing them up. Like it's just a mutual respect. And I think that's like the same thing with now. And unfortunately, cancel culture doesn't honor that. Cancel culture says, I, this is how I see it, I should say. Cancel culture says, I wanna be heard. So you're gonna be silenced. And it's, to me, it's like doing the exact same thing that we felt done to us for so long. And so, and 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 I've found that you can't, I think that people need to learn how to have um, conversations that come to resolutions. But guess what? We can't do that if we're not both listening to each other's perspective. And so that is something I feel like I really saw last year. And I felt like, man, it would be hard for me to have this uncle that I love Mm -hmm. um, and people not allow me to continue to love him, you know, my God. But then also, I know that I want to constantly bring my uncle around, someone that I know he hurt. So it's just like, how can we respect each other's view but still acknowledge and validate Mm -hmm. the other's experience?
0: And I think the thing is, a lot of us don't think that that's possible. We live in a very black and white world. And I guess pun intended, we live in a very black and white world where it's like, you know, yes, in the ther- the therapeutic world. And um, yeah, in the therapeutic world, we know that this is possible. We know that you can't hold two deferring thoughts at the same time. We think it's not, but it is. Um And I guess it makes us a little bit um, feel it makes us feel maybe a little bit intimidated that the other will win, you know, and that we will lose our stance or our standing. But it's just it's just not true. You are able to hold two differing thoughts and exactly what you are saying. Mutual respect, consideration, compassion. Um, and yeah, cancel culture, unfortunately, does not give that space to do that. It doesn't leave us space to to do that. And,
1: you know, I I think about, like, for example, someone's racist grandfather, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I definitely know people who the family disowned their child, their daughter, because she decided to marry a black man. Like, I know of experiences like that. So my, my, my question to people is, you know, let's say 10 years down the line, that racist grandfather said, you know what, I've had a change of heart. And I realized that I was wrong. And I'm sorry for the pain that I've caused. And I'm asking you, we're talking about forgiveness. I'm asking you to give me the opportunity to show you that I've changed. Do we then allow the opportunity for that? Or do we say, nope, once a racist, always a racist? You know what I'm saying? And so when I think about cancel culture, I think about that. It doesn't give people the, the room to change. And so if we're not expecting people to change at all, why are we even bothering to then bring up what we don't like? Because if if that's the case, it's not going to change then. Mm -hmm. If people can't change. And so I think it's important to really allow people to change and acknowledge when they are. And I don't think cancel culture does that.
0: All right, so enough um, about cancel culture for a minute. Let's talk about, you know, our nation's history and how it is steeped in a lot of racist racial things Let it started with slavery but it continued after slavery and now fast forward to the present where we are now and we're kind of seeing these stories that that we've learned in school um had kind of like a dot, 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 a continuation that we didn't, that we weren't aware of, or that were kind of concealed for the betterment of whatever society. Um, so now, instead of cancel culture, I guess what would be the solution or the resolution when those things come up, you know? A perfect example that's current is Dr. Seuss, you know, his um, company and his estate, not cancel culture, not Twitter, not anything, but Dr. Seuss and his company and his estate decided that there are books that he has written that have a lot of racial innuendos that were incorrect. Again, it was normalized in that society. Um, again, they said Dr. Seuss, I didn't say it y'all, they said that Dr. Seuss was a very well-known journalist, or not journalist, cartoonist, and in that time, it was definitely normal for um, him to, to draw racial, you know, racial cartoons. Right. And I mean, it's not so crazy that it it subliminally went to his children's book when he started publishing children's book. And, you know, his company has decided after reviewing that those six books, in fact, were incorrect, you know, and they're pulling them. The world is like, you're erasing history, oh, are you going to erase this too, and that too, and all of that, and I'm like, well, I saw this meme, and it says that if canceling your culture of racism is bad, what is your culture, like, you know, something like that, and I was like, you have a point there, you know, so I don't believe in canceling history, because if you totally erase history, like, tabula rasa, you know, blank slate, then history is going to repeat itself because you have nothing to look back to to, to, to to learn from. But if you put history in its proper context, like I feel like the Dr. Seuss company is doing, saying, hey, this was a thing. This is how, you know, unfortunately, how those people saw Black people and Asian people and this, and if this was allowed, and that's not okay, and we're taking, a, t- taking it away, but this is a lesson learned us from history I feel like that's a good way and then this is like literally six out of probably like how many books has Dr. Seuss written so um so what do you say about that
1: I think it's it's not erasing history it's telling another part of history that wasn't told so (laughs) one part of history was that you know we're talking about Dr. Seuss he's a great um author and you know artist and he's amazing at rhyming and all these sorts of things yes and all that is so true Mm -hmm. and another part of history is that some of the material that he produced was racist Mm -hmm. so we're not ignoring it Mm -hmm. we're going to bring that to light and so now we're going to also hold we're going to bring some accountability you know if something is wrong let's say that it's wrong and let's correct it. And I think, you know, it sounds like that's what they're doing. And I didn't know that prior to you telling me plenty. So thank you for sharing that. I'm like, what books were they? <laughs> but it makes me think about Dumbo, like the movie Dumbo. I loved it growing up. I don't know why. I just, I think because it was all the singing. But I look back at that, what were supposedly, what were supposedly ghosts? were like KKK um, hoods. You know, so like they were in the shape of a cone, which is like the KKK. So it's like, do we just say, no, that was because it was created back in the 19 dot, 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 that it should stay like that because it's history? No, all history wasn't good history. So perhaps we shouldn't watch it. Maybe we should take it off of this air or that station because we want to let people know, I don't think it's okay. Okay. I'm going to hold that segment that the thought behind that I'm going to hold it to a standard. Mm-hmm. It's creating a standard. Right. And it's it's aligning with um with our brothers and sisters and you know the Bible talks about that. It talks about um sharing in the burden of the oppressed and speaking up for them and and fighting for them. That's what that's doing. When you see that something is hurting someone and you say, I don't care, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it there, then you're not standing with that person. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to just acknowledge you got to bring that change. And, and I think that's what Dr. Siss is doing. I think that's what we have to do. And I think that's what we're constantly seeing. And it is necessary. Mm-hmm. It is necessary.
0: Okay. I totally agree. And I think it's, you're so right. It's telling the full story, you know? and um yes we all want our stories to highlight the best part of us we all have kind of like dark parts not not pretty parts of our stories right but we all want our stories and our family's legacy and, and um and everything like that to be beautiful but we all have stuff you know and um yeah you're right it's really telling the full story and um i just think that i think we are we are coming to an era in the next few years or decades where we will know <laughs> the fullness of abraham lincoln and our our founding fathers and everything and be able to say and this was also a part of their story um so we can honor them for what they did and we can also exactly what you said hold them accountable not hold them because i mean they've their past you know but understand the accountability of you know that this was not okay you know for them to to hold to have slaves and you know push for the 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 perpetuation of slavery and all of that um we can learn a lot from those history so wrapping up this awesome conversation that i'm having with Chanel um I want to ask you, Chanel, like, where do we grow from here? Where do we not just, where do we go from here? Where do we grow from here, right? How can we continue celebrating our blackness and inviting others to celebrate our blackness with us?
1: I would say, I think that, I think that it needs to be, it needs to start with an individual and really defining what blackness means to them. Um, because that is what I think allows you to kind of grow and how you, it's what helps you define, um, your way of celebrating that. And so for me, you know, my thing is food, right? Um, and, and so what I did the last week of February on my Instagram account, with (laughs) y'all, I, um, shameless plug, not a (laughs) shame, Um, no, but I really want to invite you all to to take part in that in that celebration with me. What I decided to do was dedicate that last week, the last week of Black History Month, to featuring some black foods that I loved and am proud of. And so my cultural background is Bahamian. You know, we have Bahamian roots and we're African-American. And so I picked different dishes that were traditionally seen as one of those two things. And so that was my way of celebrating the culture and sharing it with other people. So I made um, individualized peach cobblers in ramekins. And I took one to work and shared it with my Hispanic friend. And when I made fried chicken... I took that to work, too, (laughs) and shared it with my Hispanic friend. And so that was my way of celebrating my culture. And it prompted me to do a little bit of research. What's the history behind this food? Why is it something that, you know, we have or just what is known about that food? You know, one of the things I said when it comes to fried chicken is that it would be boasted that the slaves made the best. And, you know, some people see that. They have opposing views about that. But at the end of the day, slaves were cooks for their slave masters. So they were making, even if they weren't eating it themselves, they were making fried chicken. <laughs> and they they were great. They made it, you know, they made it, they did a great job with it. And so when I think about all that, I think about like, man, that's a sense of pride. That even something that we prepare for someone else was amazing. And so that's how... I celebrate my culture, and that's how I invite other people to come and join in with me. Try this food. Try this conga salad because I'm Bahamian. (laughs) And that is what we eat. (laughs) And then maybe I can even tell you a little bit about where that came from because on an island, that's what you're going to see. Or, you know, just different things like chitlins. I don't eat chitlins, y'all. But for people that do... (laughs) they ate it because that was what they were given they were given the leftovers and we as black people just have a great way of turning a bad situation into something positive positive. and so if that's what we're gonna have fine we're gonna doctor up that those chitlins we're gonna clean it out we're gonna make the best of it and it's gonna become something great to us and so That's how I personally celebrate my culture and blackness. And I think that's something that's important to me, food. So people have to look at what's important to them.
0: And what's important to me, how I celebrate my blackness and invite others to do that is through conversation. So exactly what I'm doing now. And also... um, Through my blog, I write, and but it's mainly through conversation wherever I am. Whether I'm talking to my boss, I'm talking to my colleagues, I'm talking to my cohorts, like in school, family, and yes, even my Black family, my Caribbean family. You know, there's always racial conversations happening, or just racial. You know, whenever anything that's like kind of like a bias comes up, I I I tend to really want to like continue that conversation um to understand the person but also to to present to them a possible different view um so education is the way that I celebrate my blackness I love researching I like knowing information I like knowing exactly what you said the full story you know I don't want to just stop at the headlines I don't want to just stop at a tweet or a post no I want to know the real story I want to like try my best to go into the archives to get the details, get the different perspective, and then make um, an informed decision of like how I want to, you know, perceive what happened. Um, So that's how I celebrate my Blackness and invite others. And I love it because when I have conversations with people that are different than me, that probably hold a different view than me, I love when... I see their light, their eyes light up a little bit because they learn something new. I'm always learning something new and I'm black. So can you imagine if that's not your culture and you're kind of living in a different world? Like you definitely may not know, you know, or vice versa. But um, I love when, or when I see that little glimmer in their eye that they've learned something new and that they can appreciate somebody else's culture more instead of like um, put it down. Without having the knowledge. So, yeah, thank you again for this beautiful conversation, uh, Chanel. It was great. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And again, before we go, please let us know where the audience can find you.
1: Yes, so you can find me on literally, you can Google C, like the letter C, Diane whisk, W-H-I-S-K, and my website will pop up, my Instagram account will pop up, my Facebook, my YouTube, <laughs> and maybe even the Pinterest, like, um, that's where you can find me, and so I would love just to hear from you all, reach out, send a message, send me an email, you know, I I'm here to just make more connections, partner with people, I tell people all the time, I am your friend in that good kitchen. And I I just I just want people to know that they are great and that life is ever evolving and changing. There's always hope. You can build those relationships and you can have fun while you're doing it and you can eat in the process. And so check me out and Thank you so much for listening to me. Yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Chanel. And I will put all of her description down in the box below. And yes, please, please, please check her out. Her page is really, really awesome. And you're going to be having lots of fun in the kitchen after following her page. And as for me, you could find me at Pwendy Alicia on Instagram. And all of my information will also be at the bottom. And we just pray that you guys have a great rest of your week. And I will see you in the next podcast. Bye, guys.